from AM and FM stations around the country. Welcome to the Small Business Administration award-winning School for Startups Radio, where we talk all things small business and entrepreneurship. Now, here is your host, the guy that believes anyone can be a successful entrepreneur because entrepreneurship is not about creativity, risk, or passion, Jim Beach. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another exciting edition of School for Startups Radio. It is the 8th. Can you believe how fast the the fall is going? It's not even officially fall yet, and I already feel like it's winter. Anyway, welcome to the show. We've got a great one for you. I hope you had a fun, relaxing weekend and got a little work done, got a little relaxing, all of that stuff. Today, Lauren Ramundo is with us. How many times have you thought, or maybe we haven't had this thought yet, wouldn't it be cool if all of this technology, all of these new things could make me a better parent? Wouldn't it be neat if the AI that we keep hearing about was going to help me be a better parent? Well, finally it is. Lauren has built a new platform for uh, helping raise kids and making them better. And AI is a really cool part of it. So you will enjoy that story. After that, Jeff Blaisdale is with us. He is beyond formation, and we're going to talk a lot of different things. We talk about corporate principles and venture capital and agile and scrums and passion and a whole bunch of stuff. Jeff and I have a great conversation. You will learn from uh, it, I hope. Anyway, thank you so much for being with us here today. For those of you who are new or recent, I want to make sure you understand what we believe and that all of our guests are trying to somehow reinforce this story. So we believe that anyone can be a successful entrepreneur, that creativity, risk, and passion are not necessarily part of the formula. I think society, the media tells us that, right? Your business starts in a garage, yada, yada, yada. and you have to have those things or you're not an entrepreneur. Well, I think those are all completely useless to, <laughs> to be blunt about it. We do not need to be creative. We can copy, borrow, or steal someone else's idea. We don't steal trademarks or patents or copyrights, but copying ideas is a millennial old tradition for entrepreneurs, right? How many hotels people, hoteliers are called entrepreneurs? Tons of them, right? Hotels and inns have been around for thousands of years. So there's nothing really cool about creativity. If you need an idea, read a magazine and go copy something. Risk is bad. If we wanted to be risk takers, we would be bungee jumpers or something like that. We're not interested in that. What we're interested in is making money with as little risk as possible. And so $5,000 should be your limit. Test an idea. If you can prove that it's going to be successful with that, then maybe you can move forward, but we're not going to double mortgage the house. We don't believe in that kind of stuff. And passion, passion is awesome at the church, the synagogue, the mosque, and the bedroom. 
we love passion, but we're not convinced that passion has to be part of your business. You should like it more than working for the man. And if that's, you know, what you're doing, then you're better off, right? You're much happier. You don't need to, you know, wake up dreaming about your product. I think that's kind of weird. That senses or says you're not spending enough time thinking about your family and the other important stuff in life. So anyway, there is what we believe. And I hope each of the guests somehow reinforces that story. We don't talk about it with each and every one, but it's always there as an underlying theme. All right, we're going to get started in just a second. We will be right back to do that. School for Startups Radio hopes you will reach out to us if you have any questions or comments, or if you need help with your business at any stage, from concepts to exit. Jim accepts all connections on LinkedIn. He tweets from at Entrepreneur Jim, and he responds to emails at james.beach at att.net. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy the show. We are back, and again, thank you so very much for being with us on this wonderful Monday. Remember, we have the opportunity to make it wonderful. It's a choice. Very excited to welcome our first guest. Her name is Lauren Ramundo. She is the founder of a new AI-infused parenting platform called Poldit, P-O-L-D-I-T dot com. I think that comes from polling, as in gathering information and taking a poll, a survey. She was pregnant and realized that she wasn't getting good information, too many bad, junky websites with all of the ads and all of that. So she decided to create something of her own. She's been a serial entrepreneur her entire life, ran a business out of her dorm room and started all ACEs promotional staffing when she was just 24. Lauren, welcome. How are you doing? Hey, thank you so much. I'm doing great. Thanks. So am I right? Pulled it? comes am i saying it right is that come from polling uh that's correct yes so um and you actually hit the nail on the head that it's more about information gathering okay explain the platform for us it's about parenting you were pregnant go so it started off focused on parenting um the idea came when i was pregnant and i was trying to figure out how to be a mom i was never really a big baby person. I didn't really know what I was doing. And so I was trying to figure it out and it took forever for me to just really look, find what I was looking for. So I I was Googling things. I was going on different platforms and I was, you know, just really trying to see what people thought and get a consensus. And it was really time consuming to do that. And so, you know, I said, it would be really nice if there was a place where I could where I could, you know, just go see all the information in one spot, but also ranked by the community without having to go to various places to see consensus. Um, you know, same thing when I was trying to find every find things. You know, there's lots of comments and replies and ads in between, and it was just very cluttered. So I wanted something clean where you could also have like an in-depth discussion through chat, and that's where the idea came. You know, that's where Poldit was born. Kind of like Reddit in a way. Is that so? So it started off similar to Reddit. So, um, you know, I, you know, I was funny because I was never a Reddit user. 
is the AI component and the live stream. So as I mentioned, it started off focused on parenting, but, but Ray, he's my co-founder and he's also my husband. You know, he went through the same type of type of experience when he was learning how to code. And so we decided to start off with parenting and then expand it to business and technology and, um, you know, and really just more topics as people really come up with it. And where the AI comes in is that, um, you know, we wanted a place where you can really, where you can immediately get an answer, but also have the community insight as well to have a more complete resource that's, um, you know, where you can really see what you're looking for and the live stream really. So as you mentioned, I also run an event staffing agency, um, all these is promotional staffing. So that experience made me realize, made us realize, I was like, you know, I really understand the importance of face-to-face -face engagement. And I really wanted to expand the Q&A to, to have face-to-face um, -face discussions in a dynamic way that's really engaging. So we wanted to create a more visual platform that's good for podcasts, that's good for webinars, and just, um, you know, people chatting about whatever they're interested in um, you know, whatever topic they want. But I didn't understand how the AI fits into that. So when you ask a question, you can, you immediately get an AI answer and the AI, the AI is basically part of a community. So the AI is a community person who's answering the question and then people up and down vote um, the answers to give a ranking. So that's, that's, that's where the benefit is, is that, is that you can see the answers in one place. People can rank them. They can rank the AI and the AI, AI is not always correct, you know? Um, you know, and this is a way for the community to really be able to see that. And we're, we're, we're going to be implementing AI in other places as well, such as auto tagging and within the live stream. Um, but that's, that's really where the AI is at the moment. Okay. Very interesting. So I type in a question and get an answer. I'm on the site now. And the question is you're driving home. It's late. Your child falls asleep in the car, fully clothed teeth, not brushed. When you get home, do you just put them in the bed as is, or do you change their clothes and brush their teeth? So that one is actually a multiple choice poll. So that's another type of question that you can ask. That's more of an actual poll where you put in the options and then people choose from the ones that you select. Okay. Interesting. Kind of fun. I wouldn't do this looks like fun. I just to let you know, Lauren, I am a childhood sleep, baby sleep obsessed person. So ah. much so that my wife uh, is offended every time I see a pregnant woman. I run up to her and like, "Can I teach you how to get that baby to sleep?" You know, <laughs> and my wife just runs and hides because she knows I'm going to do it, and she knows there's nothing I can do or she can do to stop it. I'm just obsessed with baby sleeping. Okay, so. well, my 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 three year old could use a little some of that as well. So <laughs> any tips are greatly appreciated. Well, you know, it it is something you have to teach at multiple phases during their life. They have to be retaught uh, how to sleep. Um, but it all comes down to uh, anyway. I'm obsessed with it. I could go on <laughs> on it, but all of my babies slept through the night. I have four, actually. Maybe I should say that the other way. Wow. Some women that I know had four. And, um, <laughs> I like that. They all uh, slept through the night by five or six weeks. 
Oh, wow. Yes. And so maybe you should be the baby sleep expert on your site. You sure could be. I'm sure a lot of people would really appreciate that information, including myself. Uh, you know, I, there's just a book and I happen to think that it works. You know, it's, there's so many systems out in our world today. And, uh, that's when I think happens to work. You know, it's based on the idea. What do you want to do after you sleep? I mean, I'm sorry. After you eat, you want to sleep, right? All of us do. And if you simply reverse that and say, no, after you get fed as a baby, we're going to keep you awake and then drop you in the crib wide awake and but you're exhausted. So you fall asleep immediately by yourself. You don't have to walk out quietly or you can leave the lights on and, you know, put away clothes and stuff. And the baby's going to fall asleep anyway, because it's so tired. And you just reverse that cycle from day one. And, uh, it's a lifetime of difference. Huh? Doesn't that make sense though? Intrinsically. It does. It definitely does. Take another level, another layer. What are you when you are a normal baby who is waking up dirty, cold, unloved, hungry, right? And so all of the good things happen uh, while you're asleep versus a baby on my method is warm, loved, fed, dry, clean, and awake and forced to be awake while all of the good things, and then you let them sleep and the bad things happen. They go to the bathroom, they get cold. And so it's, uh, I don't know. I have, uh, four kids. The oldest is 26 now. And, uh, anyway. Well, we should definitely do a live stream on this once, once we launch that. Cause I actually have a million more questions that I would love about the older stages. <laughs> yeah. You know, as I said, you have to teach it multiple times, but it, yeah. it is, it is the perfect topic for, uh, your platform. So I love it. I love the platform. Let's go back now and tell a little bit different side of the story. So you decided to do this. How did you build it out? How do you like go get? AI, you know, for example, I mean, is it the AI, a plugin or, you know, where's AI come from? Sure. So, the, so it didn't start out with from, the AI. Where do babies go? Well, you know, Poland is actually a pandemic baby. So, you know, it was born during the pandemic. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that's, that's when I was pregnant. That's when, um, when it all came to, you know, that's when, when it all kind of came together and, uh, Ray, my husband actually built basically the entire site by himself. Um, you know, the platform was built almost start to finish, um, by him and over time. And we kind of came up with the structure, um, you know, as you know, in the beginning, it was initially the, just the Q and a, it was just the community insight. You know, then as AI was, you know, you know, was becoming part of the conversation, we realized that this is an amazing way to create a more complete resource, you know, and give people immediate, immediate feedback to their questions, you know, because that's something that I always wanted, you know, I wanted a place where I, yeah, sure. where, where I got immediate feedback, but I could also have, you know, kind of BS a little bit, right? Like, and just like ask questions, kind of commiserate and, and whatnot without it cluttering up the information I was looking for. So if you're there for the information, boom, it's right there under the answers. You could see the ranking, you could see the crowdsource consensus. And if you want to talk about it, 
you could do that as well. So that was where it started. Then, then we, you know, that then we folded in the AI, and then as live events came back, um, you know, and, you know, we realized that it was, you know, if we want to make this the best possible resource, you know, having face to face discussions that, that that's what people were really missing. And I could tell you this because the resurgence of live events, you know, we've been we've been booming ever since, um, you know, ever since last year, everything came back like tenfold. You know, this is the best year we've ever had, you know, because everyone wants to be face to face. And so we wanted to figure out the best way to do that virtually um, while also plugging in, you know, having the AI there. Um, so this, ha this hasn't been launched yet. This is something that's coming, but, you know, you know, where you can prompt the AI, like an AI chatbot for more information while the live stream is going. So, um, you know, again, a more complete resource where you can ask questions through the Q&A section, you can chat with people on the chat section and, if you want to actually talk to the host, it's dynamic where the host can invite you on the screen to talk to you face to face. Um, you know, you can do that with multiple people. You can have one, two, three, four people at a time. And, you know, when you're done asking a question, you can remove them and talk to somebody else and really try to have um, a very personalized dialogue. But, but in an open source platform. You know, that, that was the key that was kind of missing with some other things I realized is that anytime I went to watch a webinar, I had to be invited or I didn't know about it. And then there was a special private room that I had to download the recording afterward or try to find it someplace else. That was when I realized there was, there were two things that were kind of missing that really fit well together. And that's where, um, and that's where the current vision of it, you know, and where the current version of it is really is right now. Very interesting. And I understand how he built the site. Mm -hmm. Did he build AI too, or, or that's no? He did not. Okay. No, no, no. Right, right, right. So, so certain components, right? So the AI, the AI answers right now. It's um, we're we're utilizing OpenAI, which you know, which is a creator okay, of ChatGPT. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, for people who may not know, um, and for the AI tagging, um, you know, which is used for you know for better filtering and searching, that was something that's custom created. Right. Okay. Now it makes sense. And our listeners who are desiring an AI platform for themselves can use that to dig deeper and find the resources that they need. So how about the other side, right? You have to have users on your cool platform or it's not cool. How are you getting right. users out there? Well, we're still kind of, until very, very recently, we've actually been keeping it a little close to the chest, you know, because, because while we're waiting, while we're finishing up the live stream, which is basically ready to roll out, um, we're actually pushing it to production this week. Um, you know, we wanted to make sure that it, that we had a good, good user feedback and good user experience before we did a huge launch. So we've been basically doing lots of different beta tests and getting user feedback to make it the most useful site, um, well, platform possible. So, um, you know, right now it's been our close network. Uh, we started locally in our neighborhood. Um, you know, like I mentioned, it was parenting and we live um, you know, we're, we're in Queens and we live in a very family oriented neighborhood. So, 
you know, so we started there. We started with friends and family. When we expanded to business and tech, again, it was like our, it was my business colleagues. It was people that Ray knew in tech. And so we've been trying to keep it um, kind of close to the chest, but it's been organically, <laughs> amazingly, it's actually been organically gaining traction, I guess, because people have come across it and I've put the word out a little bit and it's already, we're already seeing the success. So once the live stream is launched, that's when we're planning to do a really big rollout. Well, it's already got users voting into stuff. So yeah. it, it must be working at some level. Uh, it's already got results. Yes. That's, and which has been so exciting to see. It's it's nice to see that I'm not the, you know, we weren't the only ones who appreciated this idea and wanted this. It's definitely validating. Wow. Here's an interesting question. I'm about to have a babysitter watch my three-year-old for the first time. Mm. Um, that is a, an interesting one. I remember when I was a kid, my mother went through like a, a company in Kentucky or something where there was a world specialist in finding nannies and things like that. Mm. that she saw in 60 minutes or some BS. Like that. <laughs> I'm serious. And, uh, she hired someone and I think all of us had a weird feeling about her. And even though she had come from a world vaulted, you know, organization, we just all felt kind of strange. And for some reason, my parents came back 30 minutes later and said, we didn't feel good. They lied and just said, we don't need you. And that was <laughs> it. And like a week later, the lady was arrested and we saw it on national television, Wow! you know, and it's, there's the answer. Just trust your gut. Yes. <laughs> you know, and wow. I'm also thinking that a three year old's old enough to be left alone, but that's because I have four kids. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm just teasing. I'm teasing. So. You know, it's funny you say that because, um, you know, when I, you know, I have two younger brothers, and when we were growing up, I remember watching both of my brothers at not three, obviously, but at a fairly young age, you know, probably, you know, like maybe like 12 years old. And I'm wondering if that's even legal these days because, <laughs> you know, you if that's even legal trouble. anymore. No, there are the, the Karens out there that will turn us in. Uh, you know, I'm like you give the kid a credit card. And, uh, well, here's what I want, Lauren. I want uh, Uber babies, you know, someone that will take my four-year-old to ballet recital for me, you know, mm. soccer practice, Uber, you know, but they, apparently that's illegal. Damn them. It might be, but you know, I mean, listen, uh, you know, it probably exists someplace out there. I don't know. I've looked, I've, uh, I would love to, you know, cause at this point in life, all I am is a carpool driver. I mean, that's my, my <laughs> society. So, um, anyway, Tell us about the other business, about your, the staffing, all star. What is it? Is that the name of it? All aces promotional all staffing. Aces. Yes. Yes. Yep. So that, that's something that I started, um, when I was 24. So as you had mentioned, I, when I was in college, I was, I was a brand ambassador, you know, of the people that we hire in the field currently. And I absolutely loved it. I was, you know, I was studying to be a brain surgeon. Um, that was actually the goal in life. <laughs> And very quickly learned in college that that was not what I wanted it to do. And so, um, you know, I was working these jobs and I absolutely love the industry. And so 
Um, you know, I was managing lots of programs while I was in school. And when I graduated, I basically had no idea what to do with my life, right? You know, I had this neuroscience degree that I wanted nothing to do with. But, um, you know, and so I wondered, I said, you know, I wonder if all these companies that I worked with in Boston need help staffing with their staffing in New York where I lived and vice versa since I worked when I was, you know, both in school and at home. And, and I got a very positive feedback. People, people started coming to me with requests. And so I said, you know, I wonder if I can start a company out of this, you know, and, and I did. And I don't exactly, I don't understand how it works. What is the niche? So, so it's, so it's, so it's Bostonians from New York. Well, that was how it started. We're fully national now. We have local people all over country to represent brands, to help out at conferences. Um, you know, if you ever go into Costco and you see people giving out free samples, that's a brand ambassador. If you ever go to a conference, the registration staff, the mic runners right, and directional yeah. people, you know, we hire people to do these types of jobs. And we have local people all over the country with some international partners as well. Interesting. Very cool business. It is every day is different. It's it is definitely an interesting business to be in. And you said that live has come back. Is it a hundred percent? Oh yeah. Back? Oh, it's more than a hundred percent back. Um, we've uh, you know you know knock on wood we've had more inbound requests this year than we ever had before to the point where we don't even have to do a ton of outbound sales because between our previous clients and new clients and just i guess our reputation for you know for 16 years i just realized i gave my age right there <laughs> but um, um you know we've just been getting lots of inbound requests and repeat clients and we're seeing each client have more more different activations than they did in the past well excellent yeah. It could just be that your business is growing and not the industry, which is it? No, it's that it's, I mean, listen, both. it's both. It's okay. definitely both. Um, but we've definitely seen, uh, you know, I'm very friendly with other business owners and we've definitely all seen a big uptick, um, you know, in, in the, in the industry. How do you balance two different businesses and being a mom and not getting divorced? Um, no sleep, basically. Now, <laughs> um, the the beauty the beauty is is that um, you know I have such an amazing team around me with all aces that it basically runs itself at this point. You know, obviously I'm still there and you know running you know captaining the ship, but it it leaves me time to be able to do all these other things and um, you know where and and not get divorced at the same time. All right, baby needs a house. <laughs> Lauren, it's a very <laughs> impressive story, and congratulations on all of the success. And I thank hope you that uh, pulled it builds out. How do we find out more? Follow online, become part of the community for the events. Uh, sure. Um, I mean, for for the events. Uh, you can, if you're interested in working them, you can, or hiring for them, you can go to acespromo.com, a c e s p r o m o dot com. Um, you can see all the information about, um, you know, about previous events, our blog, uh, how to sign up, and how to hire people for your event there. And um, for Poldip, you would go to poldip.com. 
right now, right now it is, um, it is web-based. Um, we're working on the mobile app at the moment and you can register, um, you can register there to ask and browse and chat and, uh, you know, engage and contribute to the community and, uh, and the information. Lauren, guess who just checked on me? Who's that? My wife. I think she knew <laughs> that I was talking to someone with a baby. She just, ah. she just intrinsically that sixth sense, you know, we have that like, power. Uh-huh. She's like, he's doing it. He's doing it. I got, I got to stop him. <laughs> Lauren, great, great story. Thank you so much for being with us and uh, hope it all works out. Keep us updated. Thank you so much, Jim. And we'll be right back. Well, that's a, that's, a, that's a wonderful question, actually, Jim. Oh, my gosh. I love the opportunity to do this. Thank you, Jim. Wow, that's, that's, a, that's a great one. You know, that is a phenomenal question. That's a great question, and, and I don't have a great answer. It, that's a great question. Oh, that is such a loaded question. And that's actually a really good question. School for Startups Radio. We are back in again. Thank you so very much for being with us. I'm very excited to introduce another great entrepreneur and entrepreneurial resource. Please welcome to the show, Jeff Blaisdell. He has had a very interesting career as a financial executive, a VC, and an angel investor. He is founder of a new organization called Beyond Formation. It is designed to help all of our businesses achieve maximum valuation at whatever stage they are at. Jeff, welcome. How are you doing today? Doing really well. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate the chance to be on your show. Well, we appreciate you being here. Give us a little bit of your background prior to Beyond Formation, and then we'll talk about that in a second. Set the stage Great. for us. All right, sure. Yeah, so I, I came out of college with a technology engineering degree in the late 80s. Uh, I had seen the movie Wall Street and uh, ex excited me about Manhattan. I, I moved to New York City and spent 10 years working for financial services firms there in information technology. Uh, I'll, I'll say up front that technology is a great tool. I, I consider myself a great technologist, but at, at the end of the day, it's a tool. And I was out there to solve business problems and challenges. And, uh, and, and that's what I did. And, and I think being doing a good job at that kind of got me you know, promoted through leadership. And I ended up moving to California where I did more financial services and, and spent essentially most of the last 23 years being a chief information officer, uh, which is a lot of fun because I get to understand how entire firms work. I, I get to have teams of people to use tools to solve problems. And uh, that's what I did a few years back. I, I left the corporate life and immediately kind of became involved with some, uh, some, some startups and I'll, I'll, I'll stop it there. That's, that's kind of the background. All right. Well, tell us about that. Keep going. You're doing good so far. Tell us about the idea behind Beyond and sort of how the idea percolated prior to that. So you'll go yeah. back in six months. All right. So so basically when I when I left corporate, uh, I, I'd already been a little bit uh, interested in the startup space. I had friends doing startup stuff. Uh, I, I mean, I you know, I, unlike a lot of my colleagues back in 2000.com, 
I elected to stay in financial services, and I and so I saw a lot of people go into that space, and and it and it interested me. Uh, I became an investor in a couple of VC funds shortly after leaving corporate, which which got me closer to startups. Uh, I made a couple of investments directly in startups, uh, which may be somewhat of a cautionary tale. Um, but um, what I what I decided and determined is that I a lot of the principles that that I learned in corporate. Uh, had a lot of application in the startup world, um, and uh, maybe surprisingly to some listeners, uh, I- IT people and companies get to see a lot of everything. And so, because our responsibilities are for automating things and working with teams across all aspects of the business, we get to work with all aspects of the business. So we get to work with the HR people and the legal people and the traders and the salespeople and. Uh, really, there are a few other positions in most firms that have such an overview of how an organization works across the board. And uh, and that's something to attract attracted to me. I, I like to understand how things work. I like to know what all the pieces do. And I like to solve problems. And so a lot of the, the same challenges, maybe on, on different scales, even exist with startups. And so it, it seemed like a, a natural place to focus. I got a couple of gigs advising a couple of startups. Uh, then I, um, I actually founded a, a software startup in the last six months. And, um, and I, I've looked at all of this sort of body of evidence and, um, and the goal is to institutionalize what, you know, what I know and to, to try to package it in a way that can help more, more than a few startups. And so we've been working on this beyond formation idea for, I don't know, six to eight months. And we recently pulled the trigger and we're live and uh, yeah, I'm looking, looking to help uh, more startups. That's where we are. Awesome. What are the principles that you alluded to in corporate life that are actually useful to us entrepreneurs? I think the you know, us entrepreneurial ego people love to say that there's nothing you corporate people could teach us. The, <laughs> the, uh, the reason we're successful is because we're not like you. It, it, there, there, there's certainly some some validity to that. And, and I would say that in many cases, uh, at least when it comes to startups and smaller startups, especially, a, a, a lot of it seems to me to be uh, the being nimble, uh, being agile uh, when you're a startup, make, you know, making quick decisions. And uh, corporations uh, develop bureaucracy over time. And, and, and of course, not all, but, but many do. And, uh, and, and related to bureaucracy are things like compliance and regulatory and a bunch of other issues that the corporations themselves don't enjoy very much. Um, but eventually, uh, you know, things tend to calcify in, in big organizations. And so while, um, while, while entrepreneurs and startups can say, oh, yeah, you know, with a big corporate and everything, in, in many cases, um, all the responsibilities and requirements are still there. They're just at a smaller scale. So what I would say is that you still need to know stuff about legal. You still need to know stuff about HR. You still need to know uh, stuff about, you know, Indian regulations. But it's on a smaller scale. And I think what at Beyond Formation, um, as, as we're building, it's, it's identifying and understanding that there are all of these areas that we do need to focus on. But how do we make the best decisions to prioritize what there are? If I know there are 10 things I have to do, how do I choose the ones that are most important without forgetting about the, you know, the eight that I need to get around to? And just that process of organizing, uh, prioritizing, and, and then you'll see if you, if you look through uh, the material, I subscribe you know, pretty significantly to the, you know, the, con- the agile methodology, right? which is uh, uh, 
Uh, many people think it's an IT thing. It's not really an IT thing. And Agile itself is more of a, a way of working. There are there are people that have implementations of Agile, like Scrum, as an example, Scrum.org. Uh, but Agile in itself is about focusing on a few things, getting them done quickly, reviewing them, seeing how they turned out, making some tweaks and moving on. And the idea behind that is if I can get something done, even if it's small, if it provides value and I can get it done in two weeks and into somebody's hands, I've just delivered value that somebody can start using immediately. And, and just to kind of circle back to your original question, one of the challenges in big companies is that everything takes a long time. So, so you come to IT and you ask for a project and IT says, all right, yeah, um, write up all the requirements up front and we'll see you in six months to a year, maybe more. And six months to a year passes, the thing comes back. It may even do everything that was promised, but the world's changed in those six months to a year. Wouldn't it be better if somebody said, oh, I'm going to break that six-month project up into one-month projects, and every month I'm going to deliver you something. And at the end of the first month, you're going to get something you can use. The end of the second month, something you can use. And that's kind of, you know, kind of the key principles behind Agile. So if I can look at a startup, identify and recognize all the things that have to happen, but then be smart about picking and choosing which ones are most important to me right now, keeping track of the rest of them, then I think I have a better chance of success. Does that make sense? It does. And that's an interesting idea to apply agile to the whole startup world and to think about it that kind of way. You know, for me, so much of a startup is fulfilling the product sold, right? You have to actually do the service, whatever it is, get the stuff in the mail at the end of the day to UPS, whatever it is, build the website, whatever. But then the rest of the time should be devoted to growing the business in some form or fashion, right? And I love, I think, well, let me ask you this. Don't entrepreneurs, Jeff, isn't one of the big distinctions between entrepreneurs and corporate people, the fact that entrepreneurs think in an agile sort of way anyway, that their attention span is not long enough to do a year-long project and that they may start a year long project, but a month into it, they've already switched to something else because they're after the next shiny ball or the next fire that they have to put out. Isn't the entrepreneurial lifestyle agile to begin with? Yeah, that, that's an interesting observation. And, um, and to some degree, I, you know, I, I would, yeah, I would agree. Um, but think about it like this. So if I, one of the, one of the challenges and, and believe me, one of the challenges I have is, is focus. And I, there's so many things I can get up and do every day. I, I have a couple of startups, I've got my home projects going on. I, I might even have some fun other activities. And if I don't have the discipline to work on a few and get them done, like that is the key. I need to get stuff done. So as long as you're getting things done and getting things done quickly enough so that people can get value out of them, then I would say your system's working and you're, you know, you're agile. But if you find yourself in, and in computer terms that you know, over the years, words like thrashing and interrupt driven and context switch and stuff like that. And, and psychologists will say that every time you go move from one task to another task, you lose 20 minutes. How they measure that? I don't really know. But if you believe in that kind of stuff, then, then agile says, Pick your top priorities. Don't try to do all of them at the same time, even if they're top. Get one or two, get them done, move on to the next one. And, and so that's, I think, there's, a, there's, that, there's that subtle difference between trying to do too many things to the point of getting few things done versus uh, making smart prioritization decisions. All right, so Jeff, I want to hire you and 
beyond formation. And I come to you as a client and say that our business, we freak out in the morning to get it done by noon. And then there's an entrepreneurial focus of some sort in the afternoon, build something, you know, some sort of marketing or finance. The bills need to a system for keeping track needs to be implemented something. And at the end of the week, at the end of the month, you sort of recalibrate what you're going to freak out on in the afternoon. How is that business doing? I, you know, it's a lot, a lot, a lot more intake would have to happen, but, but let me, but what I will say, um, and, and, and once again, I, you know, I, I, I wish I could do everything that I say people should do. Right. Um, but you know, I was reading a, a book by David C. Baker recently, and uh, one of, uh, and he, I think he was talking about somebody else in the book who do, kind of divides their 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 weekdays into uh, into periods that they're going to work on, and and so like one type of day is a prep day, and it's like we all know that we have many things that aren't necessarily fun, aren't necessarily you know immediately obviously moving things forward, but we absolutely have to do them, and if we can identify periods of time and set it up in our schedules or calendars and be diligent about it, uh, then we get all this stuff that has to be done, isn't exciting, maybe not be moving the ball too much, we get it done. And then, but we always set aside time and maybe that's a day, maybe it's two days if you're lucky for the, you know, to get important stuff done day. And you try to block that out uh, and that's where you're advancing your product. So maybe in this case, for this particular example, you gave me that they can't rearrange their schedule into full days, but can they say, we know that every morning there's going to be these types of activities and we're going to block out our, our, our days because we know they're going to happen. And we're just going to focus on getting that stuff done because we need to, but beyond anything, we are going to set aside periods of time where we're sitting down, we're thinking we're getting important work done on our product, whatever that might be. Maybe you're a consultant, maybe you're you know designing an actual product uh, and, and block up the time that way. And, and, you know, these are kind of, you know, mundane sort of boring things, but they tend to work. Uh, and if you can stick to your schedule, uh, block out a calendar, keep people from bugging you, then, then I think without knowing more about, you know, your specific case, then, 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 then that's probably the type type of stuff that, that, that I would come up with. Um, and, and believe me, like one of, I'm not, I'm not here to say whether your product's going to be successful or not, right? Like that, that, and I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly not at the point of, giving people product ideas. I, I, I mean, sure, I come up with ideas all the time myself. I don't know if they're going to be any good or not. And I can opine on other people's ideas. But if someone comes with a product, I, I'm not going to say, yeah, that's going to make it or, oh, no, that's totally right. That's, you know, that's not what we're about. We're, we're kind of assuming that somebody's got a product, they think it's going to be great, and we're here to help them. Um, and I know that you know, products and services, obviously, there are many different types of them. I think one dimension that I like to think about, and I noticed in, I don't know, on your website or, or one of your materials is this, and, and, and it sounds like, uh, I mean, you, you know, I had, I had some questions for you, but if we get, if we get a chance, but, um, you know, in, in IT land, one of the ways we think about project budgets for, for, for companies or big companies is, uh, and you may have heard this, is there's this idea of, of run, grow, and transform type projects. And, and run projects are like, okay, we got all these systems, we've got a bunch of data centers, we, maybe we have hundreds of thousands of PCs, and we know every year that we're going to have to spend money keeping the whole thing running, just like you do on your house or your car, right? Running it. And in many firms, 
I mean, run can take up, you know, 60 or 80% of the bu annual budget just to keep things going. And as you can imagine, as your company grows and stuff gets older, you have more and more stuff to take care of. So if you're at 60% and you're a big company, you're doing a great job because you keep adding stuff and you're going to keep going closer to 80%. And unless you go back and refactor some of this stuff, that number is going to keep growing. So if it's 80%, now you get 20% left over for, um, for grow and transform. And, okay, what's grow and transform? Well, grow is I've got existing products. Products, let's say, or services, and I'm going to make what I think are significant changes, but fundamentally I'm doing the same thing. Maybe I'm going into a different vertical, doing the same thing in a different vertical, and I'm spending maybe 15% of my money and effort trying to do that. And then the last tiny bit left over is transform. And this is like maybe doing truly innovative stuff. Like somebody in the firm came up with some idea that nobody else has done yet, could be really risky. Are we going to spend any money doing it? And the reality is for many big companies, next to no money is spent on innovation. And um, and you can make the argument that that might be a good thing, that, you know, that, that the payoff for that, even that small bit of, of chance or risk isn't necessarily um, worth it. But um, so that's, you know, that's, that's how kind of big companies approach these things. And I think in a way, entrepreneurs, and this is you know, kind of coming back to something I read that you said, like 80, maybe 80% call it, and maybe your number was like 83% or something like that is uh, of successful entrepreneurs. And, and you know, excuse me if I'm, like, if I'm mangling this, but are focused on taking existing ideas and doing them better. So that's very much this whole run idea in, in corporate America. I'm looking for operational efficiencies. I, maybe I'm looking for automation. I'm looking to cut some steps out of stuff. Uh, you know, it, we used to call it Kaizen or business process improvement, right? It's been called many things over the year, but it's taking something that we know how to do and do it better. And, and you know, contrast that with the other end of the scale uh, where maybe entrepreneurs are, are swinging for the fences and they've got some truly innovative product that nobody's ever seen before, right? The chances of them making it big, very, very, very low. Um, but if they do, then, you know, maybe they're Uber or whatever. I don't know. Um, I don't know. How do you feel about that? That way of categorizing startups and approaches. I like that. There's a lot of sense to that. I think the number is 86%. Really? And it's, I think, yeah, 86% that uh, are not, I'm trying to remember exactly what you're referring to. The 86% of the ideas are copies of existing yeah, ideas. Doing it better. It, right. Exactly. They're purely iterative and trying yep. to improve. And that comes from my very first business, Jeff, that I ran back in my twenties. I, when I was 24, I started a summer computer camp. <laughs> it was a blatant copy of a camp that I went to as a kid. The one I went to as a kid was at Clark Crest Resort in Connecticut. Uh-huh. Ours was at Stanford and MIT. And Did it go to Caltech too? UCLA I, I, and, no, okay. Yeah. I was thinking uh, my kids went to computer camps. All right. And and so you just did this this better than the next person. Exactly. I I, yeah. I, I copied it. You know, I did it better. Uh you know, we were sponsored by Intel and Microsoft. Right. You know, wow. so, uh, did you have passion? Did you have passion for that? Cause I, you know, another thing you say is like, ah, you don't need passion, but you like, you must have had a little bit of passion for, for doing that computer stuff or were you just cold mercenary of oh, this the whole computer training needs better. You know, it's a takeover opportunity or something. How did you come up with that? Well, I, I did have a passion for 
taking children that were not happy in mm-hmm. other environments and finding uh, creating a place that made them feel comfortable. I'm incredibly passionate about that. And awesome. still am passionate about that. I had a miserable childhood and it took, you know, finding places for me to be comfortable. And I think that a lot of people still need help with that. But, That's great. Uh, on the other hand, I had an 800 telephone number that rang to my bedside table and I would sit there at night and wait for it to ring because yeah. it was a fire, a broken arm, uh, an upset parent, you know, uh, a flood, something like that. And when you're having 89 locations and 10,000 kids a day, you're going to the hospital every single day. Somewhere. Yeah, it's a mental toll. Yeah. You know, somewhere yeah. in the United States you're going to the hospital. And right. that was a lot of stress. Right. And so I was very happy to get out of that business as well. But the idea came sort of evolved later. I would rather be an entrepreneur than to work for you. I'm willing right. to sell anything and I'm doing <laughs> purses and leather jackets and furniture and a whole bunch of stuff that I would never personally use. And I don't care what I sell. I'm just willing. I just want to work for myself. I just don't want to have uh, a boss and that that provides happiness enough and passion enough. I'm passionate about the lifestyle. In other words, not the thing. Right. And so like, so, so don't work for someone else could be like a sub or a catchphrase for your, you know, your business now. I mean, is that like, if you had to come up with like a vision or a mission, mission statement, I guess, or something like that, it's like, you don't want to work for yourself or work uh, for someone else. You want to work for yourself. You know, more than that, that anyone can be a successful entrepreneur. We're going to show you how to make a million dollar business and that anyone can create a million dollar business. Now, not everyone can make a hundred million dollar business, but just about anyone can fall into a system that makes a hundred or makes a million dollars. You know, uh, there's too many systems in the world right now that work, you know, the flipping house model works, the sell stuff on Amazon model works. You know, there's just too many systems that I have seen that actually work that you can buy the book, read the book and do it, you know? Um, and then you, you've achieved what you want. You work for yourself. You have a great side gig business. Somehow, uh, your passion is fulfilled. Your dream is fulfilled. And I find so frequently, Jeff, that people develop the passion afterwards. I was talking to an entrepreneur the other day, an amazing guy, and his name was Leland Jones. He is passionate about car coating car coating yeah you know like he has a spray on that he puts on your car and it protects your paint in your car uh-huh. all right and it's like putting ceramic it's like putting a teflon coat on your car and talking to him he's obsessed with it well, that didn't he wasn't obsessed with that until he grew into it you know right. it had 30 employees now he's obsessed you know right. he didn't start that way and so I find a lot of situations like that. I don't want you sitting on the sofa because you're, you can't start a business in your passion. That's what I want to stop. Well, that's, you know, it's really, because then once again, going back to they or psychologists, psychiatrists, et cetera, say that we, we as humans really 
left to our own devices many of us stop learning you know in our 30s or whatever and we do we do the same things we say the same things we think the same things we watch the same things day after day after day and that's the rest of our lives and uh using a very small percentage of our brain because so many things then become automatic and and when you think about entrepreneur like i can't imagine i you know i personally can't imagine being you know be, being in that state um and I would guess that you know Leland, your example, uh, as well as many and most entrepreneurs, probably are the you know are, are in that five percent of people that you know that are pushing and and you know want to do more, learn more, et cetera. So I don't know that's an encouraging story. Also, I believe, and here'll be my final slam on you, corporates, <laughs> that uh, entrepreneurs use more of their skill set more of their God-given skill set than any other vocation, profession, occupation, way of using life. That entrepreneurship forces you to use every skill that you have. Yeah, yeah. And you can slam on me all you want for that one. I'm in 100% alignment. And what I will say is that if you do want to be a corporate person, at least for me, being in IT was great because I got to do it. I got to do and see it all across the board. Like I wasn't just stuck in a cube somewhere working on, you know, one thing. So, um, but yeah, I completely, completely get that. We're doing all the things at all the time. And I'm just here to say, Hey, how do we pick which ones to get done? Get them done in the right order, get it out, get value, move on to the next one. I love it. Taking agile and applying it to the business of a small person, a small, uh, entrepreneurial endeavor. I believe it works and I hope it believes, but other people believe it works too. So I think it's a great idea. Thank you. Jeff, how do we find out more? Follow online, learn more about beyond formation. Well, I highly recommend that your listeners go to beyondformation.com. Uh, and that's spelled just as it sounds. Uh, kind of reminds me of an old madness song. Um, but it's beyondformation.com. And I also recommend that uh, you, you download my blueprint, um, which kind of goes over in a little bit more detail what we've all been talking about. And um, I'm trying to uh, get a get a panel gig at South by Southwest in a couple months. So, uh, yeah, if you want to head over to South by Southwest voting uh, site and, and vote for Jeff Blaisdell to be on the panel, I'm going to talk more about this kind of stuff there. So, that's my, my spiel. I hope you win, Jeff, and we will Thank see you. you there. Thanks for being right. with us. Thank you very much. We are out of time, but back tomorrow. Be safe, everyone. Go make a million dollars. Bye now.